Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Today we're discussing page 38 of Alien Hunger. Today we have another full-page illustration, white on black. If you'd like to take a look at it, you can go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. There's going to be a public post there, free for everyone, where you can look at this illustration. And I do recommend it, because what we have here is, is one individual. You, you may recognize him if you looked at the earlier illustration, way back at the beginning of the book, of those two ragged-ass-looking vampires. He's one of them. He's the one on the right. I talked a little less about him on that day which you should not take to in any way diminish what a fucking freak this guy is. It's just that he was with another vampire who was really pulling focus. I'm just going to go head to toe, and I'm going to give you the whole look, and then we're going to talk about it for just a minute, because it's a pretty simple, dumb thing on this page, but it's also a pervasive issue. So it's going to be relatively quick, but I do want to address it here. So all right, up top, doll hair, yarn-looking raggedy-ann hair, big bushy mop of it. If I had to be more specific, I think I would say uh, Brother Power hair, if you're familiar with Brother Power, and why would you be? This hair sits atop one of the weirdest goddamn heads I've ever seen in a vampire book. For a vampire, and this is key, there are lots of weird heads in various Vampire the Masquerade role-playing game supplements. It's a game full of weird characters with weird heads. This one is weird in a way you don't expect from a vampire, because he has kind of uh, bestial, uh, very coarse features, pointed ears it looks like, slightly pointed ears, his face is kind of scrunched up in like a like a sneering growl almost. You can see his adorable little fang sticking out over his lower lip, wolf pup style. And then he's wearing that same big floppy 50-pound trench coat that he was wearing on the previous page where we saw him. And then under that, he's got a big stripey kind of Doctor Who scarf. Real big, basically covers up his shirt underneath. We see there's a shirt there, but I don't know what kind of shirt it is. Uh, and then he's got a belt with a huge buckle which I can't fault him for. I, I mean, I don't understand anything about fashion, but I feel like with a coat like that, you can't wear a tiny conventional belt buckle. Psychologically, that's not a good move in dealing with the vampire community. It's like the opposite of a power tie. You're continually sending off the subtle signal. Here's a man whose coat is too big for his dick. You don't want to negotiate from that position. And then under that, we have the infinite folds of these giant slacks. He's got his hands in his pockets, so both his sleeves and his slacks are just kind of like scrunched up. There's so much fabric happening at the bottom of this page. We've talked before about this being kind of an underwhelming look for a vampire. So that's been covered. What I want to talk about today, because this character is alone on this page, is a very odd art choice in this book. There are a number of characters featured prominently in the art for this book, like this guy, appearing multiple times and in this case, just by himself with no other context. It's just, here's a weird vampire. Th this is art for this book. Apparently not just as an example of the kind of vampire you would run into in goth punk Denver, because again, he appears a couple times. And importantly, this is a character who pretty much can't be any of the characters mentioned in this story. Because we're about to go into the characters section, and it's going to give us not only stat blocks, but in most cases, pictures of all the key characters in this story, as well as many characters who aren't in this story and will never come into play. 
So for this particular character, because we see his face twice and we see him featured here right before the character section, it emphasizes a question I have about a lot of art in this book, which is why am I having my attention continually drawn to characters who appear to have nothing to do with this story or really even this city? That question is nowhere more acute than here because, again, this guy can't be one of the characters we're familiar with. Our attention is brought to him repeatedly and he doesn't really look like a type of vampire I'm familiar with. I mean, he could be a Nosferatu because anybody could be a Nosferatu, right? As long as you're hideous, you're in the club. There are no Nosferatu represented in the uh, official characters in this book, except for uh, Louis Pasteur's adult bully, Thaddeus, who's not from Denver and is long gone from Denver when play begins. So, I mean, I guess this could be a Nosferatu that we just don't know anything about, a character who's, who's totally unremarked throughout the book, but then the art has just chosen to focus on this guy. What he's doing, I have no idea. Like what we're seeing him do, because we see him hanging out with that other loser vampire, and then we see him here just by himself, doing nothing but standing. So, you know, I have no I have no clue what the point of him is, but it is such a weirdly specific look to give to a random vampire. I mean, he's furry. I grant you some vampires have some fur. Gangrel specifically, especially back in first edition. Uh, the Gangrel weakness has gone through some changes over time. Let me quote to you from uh, the first edition vampire rules, quote, Gangrel become increasingly animal-like every time they frenzy. The player must pick a new animal feature each and every time they fall into a frenzy. They increasingly come to look like that which they truly are, the beast. These features tend to have a negative effect on the character's social roles. With every three animal features gained, the player must lower one of his or her social traits by one. Which is very generous. You know, if you imagine somebody who's got appearance three. So these are not like model or movie star good looks. It's just, you know, they're notably more attractive than your average person. If they become a gangrel and they have issues with their temper and they frenzy three times and they develop fur, rat ears, and a rat nose, uh, per these rules, this takes their appearance down to two dots. So now they're cursed with being on like an even footing with me if we're going to go try to get a date. That, I mean, it seems like a burn on me, honestly. If this math is accurate, then every dot of appearance, it represents a lot of attractiveness. It represents basically a whole rat face worth of attractiveness. But the important thing for our purposes today is not the math. The important thing is these features, you get one every time you frenzy and they're permanent. This changed in later editions because, I mean, it's stupid. You know, if you play the game, you're going to frenzy from time to time. And if you get a new animal feature every time, then number one, your character is going to become unable to function and uphold the masquerade. Number two, logically, all of your gangrel NPCs are going to end up looking like characters from Disney's Robin Hood, which while no doubt appealing to some players, may somewhat undermine the goth punk vibe that you're shooting for. Anyway, this is the only context in which I would expect to see a furry vampire, is a gangrel who is frenzied and, and gained fur. Kind of a game changer in terms of your interaction with the masquerade. Gangrel can get a lot of decent pulls with their animal features. You know, there are hats you can put over wolf ears, sunglasses you can put on over cat eyes. You can wear a big dress over a prehensile monkey tail, which not only conceals the tail, but also gives you a great opportunity for a, a dramatic tail reveal later. But a coat of fur all over your body, you're done. It's, uh, that's a wrap for you in society. You gotta go live in the sewers with the Nosferatu or just stay in your apartment and, and survive on pizza delivery. I mean, pizza delivery people, not delivered pizzas. You throw those away. You're a vampire. You have no use for them. Could it be that this guy is a gangrel who's like a furry gangrel? And I want to be clear too, in case you're not looking at the picture, it's hard to tell with this art style, but it looks to me like this is like short velvety fur. It could be that this is a gangrel who's just kind of trying to bend Grimm it through life 
was like lots of hair, big scarf, huge coat. And hopefully people just won't look him in the face and realize that he is like three quarters lion. Maybe he's hoping there's going to be so much fabric here that it will just draw the eye away from the fur. Number one, that's very bold. I like your moxie. If your plan to survive among the mortals with pointy ears and animal fur is to uh, grow your hair out and get a scarf. Number two, it maybe gives us a hint about this character because you could get Obfuscate. Obfuscate 3 allows you to change your appearance in people's minds. And so with Obfuscate 3, you can go out and conduct all your business and just look like a normal person. Seems like a top priority thing to invest in when you're furry. Unless you just don't have the stats to support it. And even if you learned Obfuscate 3, you couldn't use it effectively. This would be the case if your manipulation plus acting were very weak. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to add one more NPC to our cast that we developed uh, back at the bar. Last time we had one of these uh, white on black pages. We've seen this guy a couple times now. We have to add him to our official version of goth punk Denver. He is a very dark and gothic and urban gangrel. A neonate, you know, a recent embrace. He's from the 90s. That's why he thinks dressing like that is a good idea. He has abandoned his human name and his human life. He now stalks the streets under his vampire name, Lanugo. If you get him out of that coat and you get him out of that scarf and those giant slacks, which good luck. Like if you're a furry and you want to suck this lion man's dick, I wish you the best of luck. Get ready for a long haul because you could be taking off this motherfucker's pants for days. But if you do, if you do finally get him undressed or like dressed like a normal person, I think he's very cute. He's adorable. He's got velvety fur. He's got these gruff features and little pointy ears and the little fangs, but he doesn't want to be cute. He wants to be tough. And so he's really concealing and, and he's, because he's frenzied and he's got these animal features, he's lost dots of manipulation. So you could even say maybe he had one dot of manipulation to start, and then he lost it by frenzying as a gangrel. Now he has no manipulation, and you could maybe argue that, you know, similar to a Nosferatu who has zero appearance and automatically fails all appearance-based roles, he has zero manipulation and so can never tell a lie, essentially. It's all over his big lion face whenever he's not telling the truth. So Obfuscate 3 is no good. He just has to make his way in the world covered in velvety fur. I think he's big, he's strong, he's tough. His humanity is probably dropping a bit because he's abandoning his human identity and his human morality. Has no problem with being a predator, with killing to eat. The thing is, though, he does want to be tough. He does want to be taken seriously. And the more he kills, the cuter he gets. So I think it's actually his vanity that is, that is keeping him this side of complete villainy. He can't just go around killing people willy-nilly. If he glutted himself on the mortal blood of Denver the way he'd like to, within a week he would look like fucking Braveheart Lion. So he's kind of doing a Bruce Banner thing out there. You know, he's he's on the run, he's hiding, he's concealing himself, and then when people come and try to, you know, push him around, like, oh, hey, here comes Fuzzy, all the street toughs kind of, like, make fun of him, he kind of growls at them, he's just like, oh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I'm fucking adorable. So I think this is a worthy addition to the NPC cast of Denver. The question remains what the fuck he has to do with this story. And the answer is nothing. He, this, this character can't be anyone who matters really in this story. And the dumbest thing on this page is the fact that we had to engage in pure speculation to even, even guess who this guy might be, who the art is kind of pushing at us is like, here's a big, weird, special vampire, this distinctive, intimidating presence. And, and there is not so much as a clue what we're supposed to make of this, who this person is. But then again, in a way, this is the perfect art choice because the characters described in words in this book are in many cases also not in this story. Join me next time as we dive into characters on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. 
If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time. <laughs>